greet each of you tonight in the very precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am blessed to be here because God is here, Lord Jesus, because you are here. I appreciate the fellowship with your brother. And also because of being once again privileged to share the gospel. I will say that I wasn't here today uh, because I was teaching school and I plan on doing that tomorrow yet and then I hope I can spend the rest of the time of this series with you folk here. I am not given to conspiracy theories. If I was, I would say the committee, the committee conspired to make me squirm by giving me this subject. <laughs> but uh, I need this subject. It's good for me. And just let me tell you preachers that it's good if we need to squirm now and then. In fact, I don't know if you've ever been convicted by your own preaching or not, but I can tell you one worse. I was once translating for a preacher and convicted, and then you have to think about what you're going to say to the next thought. And that, that can get complicated, but it's good for us. Yeah, media personalities and conservative politics. Let's just share another moment in prayer. Lord God, as we look at this subject tonight, I pray that you would lift up in our hearts what you want to say to us, and let fall to the side what is not yours, if there be such things. And I uh, thank you for these brethren, sisters gathered in this building here this evening, or anyone else who will listen to this service. And uh, we invite you, God, that you're here amongst us, that your spirit would stir in our hearts, teach us, encourage us, convict us as you see fit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Of course, as was already mentioned, the, uh, the theme of the three messages together are cultural pressures. And so I take it that the brethren who put this together, and I don't have a problem with that, feel that media personalities and conservative politics are a pressure on God's people. I would like to read a few passages that are very well known but I feel they're an important uh, base of truth as we examine these three nights' subjects. And the first one is very well known, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You can probably quote in your mind as I read it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, as God's people, are not to be pressed or pressured into the world's mold, and we're to have a different type of mind, a different type of thinking than the natural man has. 1 John 2, 
15 and 7 to 17. You, you know what those verses say. Love not the world. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you didn't know the subject, you might think I was going to speak on nonconformity this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion, co-participation, koinia is that word there, what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. <clears throat> now, I think much of the definitions I have on terms here probably came from Merriam-Webster. I know that some of them did. But cultural, and I think this is true to its biblical implications too, cultural has to do with ideas, customs, and the social behavior of a society. So we're saying here in these three evenings that there are ideas and customs and social norms that pressure, put pressure on God's people. That's what we're saying, cultural. And these pressures is the use of persuasion, influence, or even intimidation. Anything ring a bell there? Persuasion, influence, intimidation to make someone do something. So we look at these kind of subjects. I think we need to ask the question, well, where are the pressure points? Where does the pressure come from? And how is it pressuring? And... Where is this pressure applied? And I'm sure that tonight you're all well aware that we are in a spiritual battle. 
the life, the normal life for a Christian is not sailing on flowery beds of ease, but there is a real spiritual battle taking place. And this battle is largely between two kingdoms, the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of this world. I just was explaining to my students here the other morning, probably had this in mind, that the scripture speaks of the world in three different ways. It speaks of the world as planet. It speaks of it as the race of people that's upon the planet. And then it speaks of what we're really looking at tonight, society and its customs and norms. And that's what the scripture is referring to when it says, love not the world. Do not love society's norms and practices. God went so far in James 4, 4, I think it is, he says, if you love the world, you're an enemy of God. And so we have this conflict. And the prince of the power of the air, but he gets plenty of cooperation from our own flesh desires, will use anything from the world and its its norms, its ideals, its philosophy. He'll use anything he can to try to persuade, to try to influence, and even intimidate us so that he can drive a wedge between us and fidelity, love, zeal to the cause of Jesus Christ. And I don't know when you looked at this subject and you thought about it, maybe you've not thought about it as much as I have, but you've certainly thought about it and you've wondered, do I commit sin when it comes to conservative politics and media personalities? And I thought about this, that as, this, as the devil tries to use pressures of society to work on us in relation to our loyalty and zeal and love for Jesus. Does he have to even make us commit sin to cause a problem? I was thinking of us as preachers. You know, God would love if we would yield a hundredfold. Now, folks, I'm getting rough on myself here, but he would love if we would yield a hundredfold. But doesn't matter to his kingdom, doesn't matter to people who are losing their way if because I'm allowing pressures in my life to move me from where I could be and I yield 30-fold, is that a problem? Is it a problem if, if the news doesn't cause me to sin, but it is a weight in my life. Is that a problem? I think we need to think about this because the war is very real. And these are real pressures. Media personalities, what do we mean by that? Well, a person who has influence in the media, in, in the public realm of news and information, and imparting of ideas and thought, someone who's well-known, has a lot of influence, a lot of prominence, that's a media personality. Some of these personalities 
uh, support, promote, are champions of conservative politics. Now, there are many media personalities who do not champion conservative politics. There's plenty of them that, that champion progressive politics or something in between or uh, whatever. They're all over the place. But some of them are conservative in their politics. Um, and I don't know where you would go to decide what's right and wrong in all this. I was thinking of conservative media personalities. And if you happen to not know any of these names, you're doing all right in life. It's okay if you don't know these names. But uh, some of them I thought of as like Hannity and Shapiro and Ingram and Where's the verse in the Bible you would decide whether you should ever listen to these folks? Um, and I was, I, I, uh, I sort of joke with my children sometimes when I want to give, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a Dwayneism maybe or something, maybe I've borrowed it from somebody else. And I'll tell them, well, this is found in Hezekiah 3 4. So I don't even know what Hezekiahism you would go to. But uh, to figure out whether the Democrats are right, or the Republicans are right, or if the uh, independents are right. But I do think that there are principles in God's word that we need to take careful heed to when we think about these matters. And right at the beginning, I think at the very foundation of the considerations we have to give when we think about news, politics, and listening or reading to media is the reality of the two kingdoms that, two, that true Christians are related to. That there is the kingdom of this world and there is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we read in that passage in 2 Corinthians, the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7 there, that light and darkness, Jesus and Belial, uh, these things don't mix. And what's more, God says, come out from among them and then I'll dwell with you and you'll be my sons and daughters. And then he emphasizes in verse 1 of chapter 7 that we should just get totally cleansed because we have these promises. The kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of this world and we talk about the world, I've already intimated this or spoke a little bit to it, but it's the universal system of society and government values that are not Jesus-driven nor Jesus-produced. They very much, it doesn't matter now whether you talk about liberal, conservative, independent, or whatever you want to talk about, but they are not first and foremost produced by someone who's carrying the cross by someone who's died to self, but rather the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Recently, 
I just checked into the life of one of these, and I did not name his name tonight, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. I am speaking in public. But I checked out one of these very, I mean, if you listen to him, he is very, almost vehemently conservative when it comes to politics. But I checked up on his life a little bit. He's remarried, and I think he's remarried because he was unfaithful to his first wife and ran after some attractive in the flesh, lady younger than himself. And you listen to him, are you listening to a godly man? I don't think he's repented of his sins. And so, the world is a society, a system of society that is not born out of love for the Lord Jesus, love for the Bible, Love for truth as it's found in the scripture. In fact, I think of another conservative uh, personality who's virtually an atheist. Uh, at least by whatever, by what I've heard him talk a little and also did a little research, he, he does, he's not believing in God. It's just when it comes to finances and even freedom of religion, he's conservative, but he's not godly at all. Just isn't. That's the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now folks, we're going to have to pick sides, won't we? Either be a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God, or you'll be God's friend, and then you've got a real problem with the world. We've got a real problem with the world. And that's why God says, come out from among them and be separate. And this needs to apply. My children say I'm going to be known for a couple things, and one of them is going to be saying that life is a package. It's easier to say than to live, I'll tell you that. But life is a package, and so... If, if leaving the world includes television and immorality and violence and all that, it also needs to include politics. Now, I can understand tonight, at least I think, and I heard the brother read that the heart is, is deceitful. Uh, take that into account. But I believe I can understand why justifiably so that conservative Anabaptists appreciate policies and decisions more out of conservative politicians than they do progressive politicians just because there is more restraint on things that we find very repugnant and sinful and some of the personal responsibility and integrity and other things are more championed yet you don't have to look far at all to see them trampled all over the place, even though they claim they're for it. <laughs> and, and that's because they don't have the power of Christ in their lives. And so, as we imperfectly embrace the two-kingdom concept, we do have some sympathy I think a natural sympathy towards things that 
get closer to God's word than those that don't. There's also something that's really interesting and tricky here, and I'll just say there's spiritual minefields all over the place. I don't want to say that our churches are on the correct ladder because I think sometimes when we uh, classify churches, God's line would sort of just cut a diagonal down across all of them, all of us, and give us all some things to repent of. But uh, when you go more and more ultra conservative, you get more tendency to participate in politics on the right side. And as churches and individuals move towards individualism and the tossing away of church authority, etc., and the brotherhood voice, as you go progressive from there, there also becomes a greater involvement in politics, but it tends towards leftist politics. And uh, I don't know if you ever noticed that phenomenon or not, but uh, years ago when there were civil wars in Central America, they almost made the progressive Mennonites get out of the country in some of those countries because they were so proactive in leftist politics. And some of these governments were hard right. And the hard right did terrible atrocities. They did. They wiped out complete villages, in, innocent or otherwise. And, of course, the hard left did too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, conservative Mennonites would have probably said, respect these rightist army-run governments. And they were the government, so I suppose there was some right in that. But the, uh, the more progressive Mennonites said, no, 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 you've got to stand up for the underprivileged, et cetera, et cetera, and they went left in their politics and got involved. That's just a little extra. You can think about that one. But as I come to the question now of, in this whole spectrum of politics and the media personalities who promote them, wherever their own philosophy is or whatever company they're working for, that philosophy, etc., where does the pressure come to bear on Christians? If we basically appreciate things that are conservative in government, uh, where is the pressure point from conservative media personalities. And I just found it interesting. I don't, it's not that I disagree with it, but I suppose the organizers of these meetings took for granted that we lean towards the conservative personalities. And so that's where, for us, the pressures come from. Do you admit that tonight? I mean, maybe... Maybe you like to listen to these uh, real progressive people, but I have a feeling you read or adhere more to the other side. Where's the pressure point? How is Satan trying to use conservative politics to, in any way he can, and I'll say tonight, he'll take whatever he can get. If he can just slow you up a little bit in your zeal or purity, if he can... Uh, waste your time for you, uh, he'll do that. If, if he can bring you to where you're actively involved or you're really into the team spirit, he'll do that. And if he can get you to where you lose out totally, he'll do that. He'll just take whatever he can get. 
Well, I want us to, when we start thinking about the pressure points, I think the first thing we need to recognize is that there is a gulf between politics and Christianity. Conservative politics is not pilgrim and stranger Christianity. They are not the same thing. They are not compatible. In fact, by and large, y'all can help me out with this if I'm wrong once this is over, but I, I'm not even sure I can say that conservative politics, though we like to see those kind of decisions sometimes, I'm not sure they even really help the church. And that's kind of loaded, not because I said it, it's because I got to live with it. But I'm not sure it even helps the church. Okay. And we have to recognize that they're, they're doing business, they're making money, they're appealing to a certain audience, and there's a lot of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life involved. There really is. And so when we listen to them, and I'm not going to say tonight that it's wrong to imbibe some news. In fact, I don't feel that way about it. But you, you go to an ungodly doctor, you go to an ungodly insurance man, you go to an ungodly news announcer, you need to recognize they do not have the mind of Christ and you're not being fed the mind of Christ. So you're going to have to pick through the bones and just get the news of what law got passed or this or the other thing, but you're not getting the mind of Christ. You need to go somewhere else for that. I think one of the great pressures is something that I don't fully understand, but I recognize it's a reality, and that's something called the team spirit, the identity with some sort of, of subliminal identity that we tend to have with people of influence and popular and who have skill or they're highly educated or in some way there's something they're able to do in a very good, I shouldn't say good, but able, capacitated way. And somehow if we say they're my team, I should learn this word, but there's a there's a little drug, a little uh, uh, chemical reaction in our mind when our team wins. And I think too many of us get this out of politics. You know, again, if you don't know these names, uh, God bless you. <laughs> But I mentioned this man, a man that I virtually don't pay any attention to, by the way. I used to, but there's a man by the name of Sean Hannity. He's a Fox News news commentator, very pro-Trump. Uh, and I think he's the, he gets the highest viewership of news on any given night of any current announcer. So that's the news. Then there's a basketball player. This man I know virtually nothing about, and I'm not trying to excuse myself. I knew someone fairly well who paid a lot of attention to him, but he's also in the news because he speaks to politics. But he's a sports figure. 
basketball player, his name is LeBron James. He's one of the best basketball players in today's world. If I was going to be tempted to pay attention to anything, it'd probably be soccer anymore since I was in Central America, but I really don't. But that's this man's popular, and he speaks out a lot on such issues as black justice and those kind of things. Uh, Hant, he's very conservative. This man would lean more progressive. And then, uh, now don't run me out too fast. Hear me out. But there's a man by the name of Ken Ham. Do more of you know who he is? He's a media personality. And I would say a rather conservative one. Certainly when it comes to things like creation and beginning of Genesis, he would. I uh, don't know much about him either. I just don't. But... Uh, so now we have Hannity, we have LeBron James, and we have Ken Ham. Now we have some conservative Mennonites that I could tag a name on there yet too. Who should I say? I'm not going to do it, okay? I'm just not going to do it. But there are some men in our conservative circles who are held in pretty high esteem and their ability to speak and teach. And I'm not saying that that's all evil, and I'm certainly not saying that everything that Ken Ham has done for the subject creation, I'm not going to judge him on that. In fact, I'm going to let the judgment of all these men in God's hands. But I want to ask you tonight, what happens in our heart when we listen to hard-driving, hard-speaking very convinced individuals and they're not always true to the gospel of the book, the Bible. And especially if they have problems with this verse, speaking the truth in love. What, what does that do to the broken surrendered softness of our heart when my team wins and my team is, well, they're famous and fleshly in some cases. In other cases, it's biblical, but it's, it gets pretty close to team sports sometimes. Another pressure I thought about is I just wonder how much media personalities affect us when there's so much criticism, so much polarization. You know, Philippians 4.8, whatsoever thing is lovely, good report, so forth. And you go on to the news. It don't matter which side you're going to listen to. And so much of it is brash and harsh. And I'll just be really honest with you. I don't like President Biden's policies. Just don't. Is it all right if I feel good that his popularity is going downhill? So that maybe all this stuff don't get passed? Is that okay? What about the fact that they're cursing him these days? Is that okay? And am I glad that in public they're chanting curses to the president? You know, the scriptural position is we're to pray for him. 
and respect his office. And I think I've been, I know, I know I've been guilty in those kind of things before in my life to just kind of take some unholy glee that someone that I feel is on the other team is, is getting wrapped on the knuckles, so to speak. But I had to wonder, and I'm not trying to stir up any wrong juices here, but you all know that over the past year or two, we've had it pretty tough on a number of subjects. And one of the things that's alarmed me as much as anything is how the vitriol and the, and the taking for granted that my brother has wrong motives. That he's even being political because he feels the way he feels on so many things. And I've, I just had to ask myself the question, in part, is it because that's the kind of thing our heart feeds on? And so crudeness and rudeness doesn't impact me the way it should as a Christian. Because I've become accustomed to it. Sometimes it's pretty, pretty far removed from speaking the truth in love. Well, one that hits me pretty solidly in a number of ways is a waste of time. I said, and I, I'm not ashamed that I said it, that I think there's a place to read or be informed of a certain amount of world and state events, local events as well. But you don't need to keep reading and keep reading and keep investigating, and you know, and so it's an easy way. There are a number of ways since we have many of us access to online and uh, computers, phones, where we can get public information. I told somebody that some years back I did a trip through Mexico to Guatemala and back again with my sons and a few other men. And uh, by the time, and we drove almost night and day both ways, and by the time we were getting back into the U.S., uh, I was good and bored, and there was a number of us who were drivers, and so I was buying in different towns and places. I was buying newspapers. Now, that's a bit dated, you know. I was buying newspapers, and they were laughing at me how much I was buying newspapers. I don't know what all was going on in the world at that time. don't remember, but I do remember I bought more than one newspaper. I probably should be ashamed of myself, and the young men were laughing at me. I said, you know, I wouldn't do that today. And it's easier than ever. You could just click on the next site and read another article. And we can waste our time. We can even not get as much of our Bible read because we spent so much time with the news. Or some worthy assignment or business thing even. And so time wasting is another pressure. Along with negative attitudes and lack of respect can undermine our focus on God and narrow our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight I really feel that the most serious thing of all is the more I identify with the world, even if it's with the conservative side of the world, the more I, my heart is being led into the other kingdom. Do you all believe tonight that politics of this world 
belong to the kingdom of darkness. They do. Even though we are to respect them and pray for them, but the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to put every earthly kingdom under his feet. And that stone's going to hit the foot of that image and it's going to be done away with. And the Lord Jesus Christ will reign King of kings and Lord of lords in all the earth. If you don't like that, you can just kind of turn that into a little bit of amillennialism. But anyway, he's going to reign supreme. All right. You can be assured of that either way you take it. And so I'm thinking that the greatest danger of all is that when my team is the Republican Party, when my team is the man that stands up and puts these people down and shows how stupid they are, well, there's a reason they're stupid. They're deceived and being deceived. But that's happening all across the spectrum. The great danger I feel, number one, is, is that my heart becomes more in tune more in tune, more in tune with a one-kingdom philosophy than a two-kingdom philosophy. And I believe that if we would take a strong stand on avoiding too much of even conservative news and conservative politics, it will help keep the lines clear between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I just wonder, you know, we see individuals and churches that keep going and going and going until they cross the line of the church cannot speak into my life, other brethren cannot speak in my life, Uh, this is what's best for me, and then there's some sort of fool's hill out there. You all know that, you've seen it. It's just like everything goes, and I'm going to, the only person that matters now is me and God. And then generally, not too long after that, God doesn't matter anymore in many cases, at least not very much. Can an over-adherence to conservative politics contribute to that trajectory? And I am sure that what we're going to look at, Lord willing, tomorrow night and the next night, that that's true. That this not keeping clear between the two kingdoms contributes to a moving towards a one-kingdom life. And there are things you cannot do as a Christian and be a Christian. because we need to be loyal to the other kingdom. So I think that's the highest pressure and the highest danger. The second highest is is the hardness of heart. That I lose my respect for President Biden. That, that I cannot effectively pray for him. That, I, that it doesn't hit me as strong harsh, impatient words or judgmental attitudes or uh, there's just shells of hardness that have grown around my heart. I believe that's the second great danger. And really tonight I believe that the cure, the cure for this wouldn't be putting in our standard, thou shalt never read the news. (laughs) Or, uh, you know, Five minutes a day on Fox and you're finished. That would not do it. There are many other ways to get around that. But I want to share a song tonight. We're not going to sing it. But I believe this song speaks to it well. And I'm going to close with this song tonight. O soul, are you weary and troubled? 
No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's Behel and Lamel. God bless you.